Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bulls Beat Podcast Show, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. Welcome back to the Bulls Beat Bulls fans. Doug Tonis here with you discussing our Chicago Bulls, and I apologize, my DeMar DeRozan addendum did not get added yesterday, so uh, I just decided I'd record a whole new podcast. I don't know what happened yesterday with the upload, but yeah, that's life. So I have to say, you know, yesterday I was extremely excited about the move. I won't say that any cold water has been poured over me. I'm still very excited about the move, and I think it's going to be a great fit for the Chicago Bulls. So I'm going to first discuss that, and then I'm going to get into a lot of salary details because I don't think people have really uh, scratched the surface on that too much and how this impacts us in the future, uh, what we'll be able to add, what we'll be able to do for the rest of the offseason, and how things will be looking uh, going forward. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through some of those things as well towards the end. So first, I love the fit of this roster that we've put together. I love the fact that we've been aggressive. I, I don't know that this team has an incredibly high ceiling of you know, getting past the second round. I, I think that's really tough to look at teams like Brooklyn and Milwaukee and say we're going to top them. But outside of those two teams, I, you know, I, if you played the Heat, are you so confident the Heat are so much better than the Bulls? I'm not. I don't know that they're better at all, to be quite honest with you. I mean, Jimmy Butler versus Zach Levine. I know everyone is going to say Jimmy Butler is just a much better player. I'm not sure that that's true, especially as they continue to age and Zach becomes more in his prime and Jimmy Butler becomes more out of his prime. Kyle Lowry versus DeMar DeRozan. I mean, I think Kyle Lowry has become this incredibly overrated player. And I think DeMar DeRozan's actually become an incredibly underrated player. It's so bizarre listening to NBA TV talking about how the Heat won free agency by getting Kyle Lowry and the Bulls just massively overpaid for DeMar DeRozan, given that DeMar is three years younger and on a slightly better deal. I, I just uh, I think that's just pretty wild, to be honest with you. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just crazy to me. Uh, but... I think, and then outside of that, the Heat, what else do they have? I mean, you think Duncan Robinson's a star? Tyler Hero's a star? Like, I just, yeah, it's fine. They got some pieces, but I, I could see the Bulls taking the Heat in the series. I'm not saying we'd be the favorites, but it wouldn't surprise me if by the time the next playoffs rolled around, if we were. And if you look at the 76ers, who knows what the hell they're doing? I mean, they still have to figure out what they can do with Ben Simmons. Their team could come out to be very good. It could be, come out to be a wreck. I just I have no faith in Embiid being able to stay healthy. I have no faith in Ben Simmons being able to come back in that environment and play well. And I have no faith in them being able to get a monster offer from Ben Simmons, given what they are reportedly asking so far. So they're just a giant wild card team. And the Atlanta Hawks... Uh, Again, I think they, they were very lucky last year, had a good season, great season, got very far, but I don't expect them to repeat. I think Hawks fans are in for a pretty big disappointment this year. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I mean, the Bulls are just in that mix. I think they're, those, those teams right there probably strike you as the teams that would be in the uh, three through uh, six range, the Chicago Bulls in those three. So uh, we'll see where the Bulls end up. I could easily see them being the second round, and I think they could scare one of uh, Brooklyn or Milwaukee and you know Brooklyn comes out with a hobbled James Harden and a hobbled Kyrie Irving again you know it's not crazy to beat them a hobbled Kevin Durant that's an old team with a lot of injury prone guys and not a lot of depth so uh, they, they did actually have Brooklyn in an amazing offseason uh, filling in their depth so I shouldn't say that I really have to relook at their roster in full I, when I saw all the signings I'm like wow they got them they got them so Brooklyn may actually come back pretty pretty freaking fantastic to be honest 
anyway, anyway, we'll see. It's a day to be excited about the Bulls, not a day to be uh, figuring out that, that we're not a championship contender. We weren't a play-in team last year. We weren't going to go to championship contender this year. And to be honest, we're probably not going to go there with this whole roster, but that's okay. It, it doesn't always have to be win or go home. This is going to be a good team. It's going to be a fun team to watch. It's going to be a team that has a lot of versatile offensive options. Uh, it's going to have a ton of fun play, a ton of great passing. It's going to be an exciting team uh, to, to see play. You're going to have a lot of guys attacking the rim. It's just going to be a, a great, fun group uh, to play, I think. And, and so I think that is what I'm most excited about. So I'm going to go through a little bit more about the, the fit of the whole roster. I kind of discussed Lonzo yesterday. You know, going into this, we, I mentioned, you know, you have Zach and you have Vooch who really are going to use the majority of the possessions. And I said, you don't really need Lonzo to be uh, an attacking point guard, a guy who's going to, you know, just draw a lot of pressure on the rim with his own dribble. If, if he could do that, he would be a, a max player and a superstar, but, but he can't, and he's probably not going to do that. He's not going to finish great at the rim. But with Zach Levine and Vucevic having so many of the offensive possessions, you don't really need that out of Lonzo. And so when you add DeMar DeRozan to the mix, I think that's even more true. DeMar DeRozan, an extremely uh, efficient pick-and-roll player, someone who can put a lot of pressure on the rim, someone who can draw a lot of free throws, uh, all weaknesses the Bulls had last year, and that he is going to address, and I think that is fantastic. I think if you project a starting five of Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Pat Williams, and Nikola, uh, Nikola Vucevic, I think that's a, a nice fitting roster together. you got four guys who can shoot threes that are surrounding uh, DeMar DeRozan, who's not uh, an incredible three-point shooter. I mean, I don't think he's completely hopeless, but he's, he's obviously not a great three-point shooter. And so I think that also you know, kind of minimizes that weakness. It allows him to play in the mid-post. You're not going to have uh, a lot of uh, competition for the space he wants on the floor necessarily. He's going to be able to run pick and roll with uh, Vucevic very effectively as a Zach. And then I think this opens up the you know, strengths, I said, of Lonzo Ball even more. You, know, you take a guy like Damar and you have Zach and you have Pat out there uh, and you have Lonzo is sort of a guy who's just a catch and shoot, catch and pass, makes brilliant passes type of guy. You're going to have a lot of cuts. You're going to have a lot of great transition play. I think you're going to get a lot of cohesion out of this offense. Uh, it could be pretty, pretty darn special. I got to be honest. I, I think this offense could be, could be really great. And so people will then say, well, what about the defense, Doug? The defense is just going to be, you know, awful with these guys. And, you know, I don't know that we have a ton of lockdown defenders. You're obviously hoping that Lonzo Ball can play very good defense. You're hoping that Pat Williams can take a step forward and play a very good defense. That really wasn't the case last year. Uh, Nikola Vucevic actually impressed me a little bit. I, don't, I mean, I don't think he's naturally a great defensive center, but his fundamentals are pretty strong. His rebounding has been strong. And I think he actually did a solid job. The Bulls actually finished 12th, I think, last year in defensive efficiency. And so defense really wasn't their problem. It was the offensive efficiency. Uh, and, you know, if you look at, like, the, the people who move in and out of the lineup, you know, you have uh, Kobe White, who started a good chunk of last season, uh, was obviously not a good defensive player. Uh, you had uh, uh, Tomas Sadoransky leave the team. You have Thad Young leave the team. Those are pretty two good defensive players. You have Garrett Temple leave the team, good defensive player. So when you bring in Lonzo Ball, I think that's probably an upgrade on defense. Tosado, uh, we'll have to see what they do in the front court. Uh, you'll have to hope that Patrick Williams gets better. You'll have to hope that Kobe White, whenever he returns, gets better. Uh, you added, added Alex Caruso as well. Uh, you have to think he will improve the defense some, at least over uh, Kobe White. If you, if you kind of view Caruso and Ball as uh, coming in, you think they should improve over what Kobe White and Sato did last year. Now Kobe's still here, so he's still going to have a role. Uh, maybe Caruso still improves you over, say, Garrett Temple. 
I'm not sure I buy into that. I mentioned that a little bit on, on yesterday's podcast. I'm not as big a believer in Caruso. Uh, so we'll see. But it, you look at the bench now, and you've got uh, Kobe White and Caruso coming off the bench. We'll have to see what else they get in the front court. Uh, the Bulls now need to be shopping for for bench players. You know, Besides the starting lineup, the bench presently just exists of those two guys plus Troy Brown. Uh, Javante Green has a qualifying offer out. We'll see if, if he comes back on that offer or a minimum contract. Uh, so they've got a lot of wings. They've got a lot of guards. And, you know, they're suddenly very short of big men. Uh, the only real big men on the, on the roster is Vucevic and uh, Pat Williams playing at the four. So they, they clearly need to add some front court talent, and it'll probably be the rest of uh, the offseason. So when we look at what's going on there, what do the Bulls have left to offer? Uh, they currently have a payroll of around $125 million, if I have done my calculations correctly, and I believe that I have. The salary, um, the, the luxury tax is uh, sitting on uh, what this year? I think it is 136.6, so they can squeeze in about $10 million more salary uh, without having to pay the luxury tax. Uh, that uh, includes... Uh, minimum cap holds for that 125 million. So um, that that's if they just signed a bunch of vet min guys. So if if every guy they signed a bigger deal, you can add about you know 1.7 million um, uh, to that salary. You know to to add a little bit more. So I think when you look at that, they can they can if they go vet min with everyone else left on the roster, they can add around an 11 million dollar player coming back from or 11 million dollars of combined players coming back in a Lowry sign and trade. Uh, they have room to just let Lowry walk and uh, take the uh, vet minimum, or sorry, the mid-level exception, and use it on a player uh, because they acquired Crusoe at least right now through a TPE. Uh, could be acquired through the the mid-level as well. We'll see how uh, they they choose to do that. So they they have the ability to add one more kind of like bigger piece. But here's the problem with that: when you go into next year, next year's salary projection right now with the the tax projecting out next year at $140 million. Uh, the Bulls are presently already sitting on $134 million, assuming Zach Levine gets a max extension. And I think that is going to uh, put them in a fairly tight spot. And then when you add in the minimum salaries next year, the Bulls are already set to pay the luxury tax next year if Zach Levine gets a max contract. Uh, and there'll be about $4 million in there. Uh, there's really uh, no way they can even move off of that unless they trade Kobe White, Pat Williams, one of the guys they just signed, or uh, just don't pay Zach that much. And things get a little bit more complicated in the future as well because uh, Nikola Vucevic rolls off in 2022-23, and you already have $113 million committed to uh, DeRozan, Levine, and Ball, uh, Pat Williams, as well, you're assuming Kobe White leaves, and you have a $147 million tax there. So you have to figure out if you want to bring Rusevic back, if you want to bring Kobe White back, if you want to fill anything else in. You're going to have a very tight salary structure going forward. So the Bulls went it all in uh, this year. They're going to be fine on the luxury tax this year. Historically, the Bulls have not been a team that's been willing to pay the tax. Um, and we'll have to see if that changes. And you know, here's the thing that I'll say about this. There is a, a chance that this could just come crashing down really hard. And if it does, it's, it's going to be very difficult if the Bulls are unwilling to pay the tax for a team that is, say, a first-round exit team. And if that's where this team ends up, 
you know, they're, they're going to have to then make that choice. Or they're going to have to start immediately blowing things up. They're going to have to figure out what they do with Zach Levine, if they can get him for less than the max. And if you hear anything Zach says, that does not seem likely at all. So there is some, some challenges going uh, uh, there as well. Of course, the Bulls have lost now their 2023 and 2025 picks. I'm not sure what the protection on that 2025 pick is and the trade that went out to San Antonio for DeMar DeRozan. I'm assuming it's protected because it said it could it could convey as early as 2025, and, I, and maybe that information is out there somewhere, but I've, I've not yet uh, noticed it. So that'll be interesting as well. As long as we have at least top four protection, you've, you've kind of removed yourself from the worst of the possibilities uh, with those draft picks, but still obviously a situation where you have very little draft flexibility going forward and you have very little salary flexibility going forward if the bulls stay in this kind of boat where they feel like they need to stay under the luxury tax which is you know it's been their mo for the most part in the derrick rose era they did pay the tax once uh, but they were a team that was viewed as a real title contender and i'm not sure that the bulls have risen to that level of talent yet now, maybe ownership has uh, changed their mind. We'll see. Uh, there is a new TV deal coming in. Uh, the Bulls could benefit a lot from that. I think that hits in, but that might not hit till 2025. So probably not going to affect this short-term short -term thing that I think about it. Uh, if the Bulls' ratings go up, the Bulls will get a lot more money because, you know, effectively the Reinsdorfs own uh, a good chunk of, of Comcast. So they can make a lot uh, if, if the Bulls are improved and are more interesting and so it's not, like I said, it's not hopeless. We'll see if they're willing to pay more. Michael Reinsdorf seems to be more of a Bulls fan than Jerry Reinsdorf. We'll see if he can get, you know, the, the company to open up the, the purse strings a little bit. One interesting thing about the Bulls in general is there are a lot of old, old time owners. They aren't super, super billionaire type people. They're, they're people who, who have a lot of money. They're certainly much richer than probably any of us listening to the show, but they aren't, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos uh, type rich. They're not Bill Gates type rich. Uh, they're not Mark Cuban type rich, uh, Elon Musk type rich, whatever. And so they actually, to some degree, likely rely on getting money out of the Bulls uh, compared to owners of other teams who are these, these mega billionaires who you know, buy the sports franchise for fun. Uh, and so I think that's one of the reasons you've seen them operate with operational efficiency, you know, even when uh, you know, the, the team could maybe do other things. And, and so that'll be an interesting thing to see if it changes uh, over time. Either way, I'd, I'd say this offseason for this year coming up is, is a home run. Like, I mean, you, you took a team that, that I think was you know, borderline to make the playoffs and you somehow turned it into a team that now could get to the second round. I think that's it's actually it's a great achievement. The Bulls probably jumped, in my opinion, about 12 slots up the NBA talent ladder. It's a huge jump. Uh, it's going to be extraordinarily difficult to make the next jump going forward. Uh, like I said, you're, you're going to be locked into luxury tax. You're not even going to have the full mid-level exception. Uh, you're going to start having to face repeater tax uh, most likely uh, very soon, or you're going to have to lose a guy like Vucevic and replace him with, uh, I don't know, nothing. I mean, it's, and that's going to be uh, <laughs> very challenging. So we'll see. we'll see how they can put it together in two or three years. But for one year at least, the Bulls are going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch this team play. And they're going to have great passing. They're going to have great offense. They're going to be able to get to the free throw line. They're going to be a terror to defend. They're going to have shooting. Uh, I, I think the defense will still be solid fundamentally. They, they've got good coaching. I think Zach Levine will be uh, apt for this team coming back. Uh, I, I think the Chicago Bulls are going to be back as relevant and, and talked about. And, you know, like I said, I, I don't hate any of the deals I did. I do wonder a little bit who we were bidding against with DeMar DeRozan. Um, yeah, you know, like that's 
that's uh it's like if we just offered 65 like who is who is going to offer him 65 where else was he going to go like i just i just there's no other money out there for him so maybe we've been against ourselves a little bit there which seems to be the main criticism you know when i talked about their contract versus lowry you know lowry definitely had multiple suitors even though i just think that's ridiculous i can't believe people wanted to pay lowry like lowry until he was like 38 but you know whatever that is uh that is what it is but overall, the talent that we added, I, I think it's going to be a really fun team to watch. Cannot be more excited for the season coming up uh, to, to catch some great Bulls basketball. And uh, that'll do it for this. Oh, you know what? I, I forgot one more thing I want to talk about. Just a correction. People have been uh, just noting to me on Twitter. I said, like, you know, sign-in trades are, are you know, extremely difficult to do. And I want to just make sure people understand the context. The, the point about sign-in trades I've mentioned mostly on the Big Red Bus Sign and trades for Lowry are extremely difficult to do because he was a base year compensation player. And I said, like, we aren't going to get value back for him. Like, you could do a sign and trade, but you're not going to get value back because typically a team under the cap, if they really like you, will bid. And if the price gets low enough that no one wants to bid, then no one wants to also trade something valuable for you. And I still think that's generally true. Now, maybe the Timberwolves prove an exception to that. Uh, there's definitely some rumors going around there, and maybe we will get value back for Lowry uh, with, with from the Timberwolves. But when you look at the three sign-in trades we did do, DeMar DeRozan was a sign-in trade of a non-base year, non-restricted player. Those happen all the time. Uh, Daniel Tice was a sign-in trade into a trade exception. Those happen all the time. Uh, th those were not the kind of deals I was talking about. The, the sign-in trade we made for Lonzo uh, did become a little bit difficult, though I did discuss on, uh, on one of the last shows how we could fit it in exactly salary matching and on, and on Real GM, which you know, we, we, we did end up doing, but the, uh, the, the thing on the Lonzo deal was we didn't give up significant value and it still kind of fits in those same parameters. We gave up Sato and a second round pick. So, and, and temple, like, I don't think anyone views those assets as significant value, uh, for, for the bulls. So, um, yeah, in general, I guess my point still stands. You don't, you don't get significant value for RFAs in, in sign and trades as, as a general rule. It's just very rare. There's, there's complications and, and trying to put them together because of the base year compensation matching rules, which get more complicated the higher the salary uh, that you are offering the player. And if you're not offering a high salary, you typically also aren't offering back much in terms of compensation. So that's why all of that fits. Uh, so just want to make sure that context was out there. Now, I still may be proven wrong because the Bulls may go out and get something for Lowry. Uh, you know, there's rumors out there that that, that could happen. Uh, as I noted, we've we've got about maybe 10 million in contracts we can bring back for and, and Lowry's deal now looks like it might be around a place where we could still sneak under the luxury tax and get something back for him uh, if we fill in the rest of the roster with uh, minimum salary players. But I would not expect the Timberwolves are going to give a, a pick for him, you know, just after they lost a, a couple picks for um, D'Angelo Russell that, that didn't really end up working out well in their favor. And uh, they, they don't project to have like non-lottery picks. I mean, they project to be very bad for a long time. And so they, they probably, if they do send a pick, would be extremely heavily protected and, you know, may even eventually convey into second rounders. I mean, do you see the Timberwolves making the playoffs in the next five years? Really? I mean, it's just, <laughs> it would, would take something pretty special that happened. So, uh, but you might be able to get Jarrett Culver and another player and, you know, Culver as, as a reclamation project might be kind of interesting. You know, the problem there is actually his salary probably hurts you uh, next year, I don't know if they would want his salary because, as I know, they'll already be in the luxury tax. And they're also kind of like loaded in, in wings. Like they need, you know, power forwards. And I don't know that, you know, you project Culver as a power forward necessarily. And he's had, you know, just kind of a rough start. So uh, it, it'd be exciting in a way to take on take him on as a reclamation project. But I, I wonder if the Bulls even would want him 
uh, based on that salary and based on their, their projection to win now. Like, I don't know that they want to take young reclamation projects now. They probably are looking more towards, you know, quality veteran players uh, that can that can help immediately and uh, not guys who are like have some upside but also have some high salary and some downside. So we'll see how it goes. Anyway, that will do it for this edition of the Bulls Beat. We'll probably get another podcast in another day if uh, the Bulls fill out the roster with minimum salary players. Maybe I'll, I'll hold it off to the weekend, but uh, we'll see.